Welcome, everyone, to the Gridiron Review Podcast. I'm Zach, that's Jack, and we are back for episode 13 of our offseason interview series. We are starting the NFC East with the New York Giants. The team has a brand new front office with Joe Shine, as well as a new coaching staff headlined by Brian Dable, Mike Kafka, and Wig Martindale. This already could be one of the best coaching staffs in football, as long as Dable makes a transition from OC to head coach and does it successfully, but nothing suggests he can't do it. However, it's probably going to take a little bit of time to formulate their vision, and we are going to see how they did in their first offseason within the new regime. Jack can start us off. On offense, the losses start in the quarterback room with Mike Glennon. I guess this isn't really a significant loss, but he's made his way around the league. In the running back room, Devontae Booker and fullbacks Elijah Penny and Colin Gillespie, Dante Pettis at receiver, Brick Hands at tight end, Kyle Rudolph at tight end, along with Wow, they lost a lot of tight ends. Will Hernandez on the line, Billy Price on the line, and Nate Solder, who really regressed hard since showing up in New York. Players retained Sandro Plotz-Gummer, their international player, David Sills, C.J. Board at receiver, Corey Cunningham at tackle, their free agent pickups, Tyrod Taylor, Matt Breda, Richie James, Robert Foster, Keelan Doss, Ricky Seals-Jones, Jordan Atkins, John Feliciano, Mark Golinski, Max Garcia, Jamil Douglas, and Matt Gano. In the draft, they add Evan Neal, Wondell Robinson, Josh Zayadu, and Marcus McKeithen. Offensively, if you followed our stuff, you would know that the minute they signed Tyrod, we thought this was a for sure signal that they were looking at one of the quarterbacks this year because, as sad as to say, because I like Tyrod, he's never going to hold the starting job again. And whoever succeeds him on his team is bound to be the franchise quarterback. Baker, Allen, Herbert, Davis Mills. Mills still has some to prove, but for a third round rookie, looked pretty good last year. So we thought that it was going to be Malik Willis. They could be a dark horse in the first round. Clearly that didn't pan out the way that we had thought originally. In the running backs room, it sounds like Barkley is supposed to take on a bigger role, which is kind of crazy to think about when he couldn't stay healthy in his past roles. And the receiver room is not bad. They took a huge step back last year, particularly Kenny Galladay, who is getting a lot of hate for his season last year, given the amount of money that he got paid. But the truth of the matter is that this is not a bad team. And you look at what Dable was able to do with Josh Allen, and by no means am I going to sit here and compare Daniel Jones to Josh Allen. I, I wouldn't even try. But the truth of the matter is, Assuming Dable was the guy that got the most out of Allen, there's no saying that he can't do the same with Jones and with arguably the best backup quarterback in football, or at least the best veteran mentor at the quarterback position, Tyrod Taylor, they should be able to get the most out of Jones. And if things really do go south, Taylor is there to relieve for the rest of the year. And you figure out next year and what seems to be a much stronger quarterback class the only thing I'll mention before I let Zach take over here is that, like we said, we thought they were a dark horse for one of these quarterbacks at seven or a trade back and take one. And the only one that went in the first was Pickett. Now, no one got picked in the second, and the next quarterback was Ritter in the third. And Willis also fell to the third. Hal fell to the fifth. Why are you not taking a chance on one of these guys at the you can't possibly have gone wrong with their value with where you got them. 
Yeah, it's, I mean, we've covered the draft over and over. I mean, <clears throat> I don't think anyone's quite sure why Sam Howell fell to the fifth. As we speculated, the fact that he's never had a stake in his life can all but play a major factor in this when you take him out to first take dinner. And he says, no, thank you. I'll have chicken tenders. That probably does not go over well. Um, it probably makes them question your, your, you know, humanness, I guess. But their offense, as you said, Kenny Galladay got a lot of crap. Look at the stats on the passers in general. I don't. I think Glennon had like backs back weeks with under thirty passing yards or something stupid like that. And then Fromm had a game where he like finished negative. Yeah, Fromm wasn't any better. Daniel Jones actually started off the season really hot, and he cooled off, and then he had it was a neck injury, I believe, mm -hmm. and the team just fell apart. And it's probably partially the coaching staff. I mean, there was a couple of decisions, and I can't remember right off the bat where it was just like, oh. QB sneak on third and nine. Yeah, I was a Joe Judge supporter until he really didn't help himself. And so now you bring in a whole new system with Dable, who comes from Buffalo, with debatably the best quarterback in football. And then you also get Mike Kafka, who is the quarterback's coach for debatably the other best quarterback in football. And that adds up to what should be a very creative offense, a very effective offense, even – I think they'll have Daniel Jones have an easily career best season. I, I think you're right. Next year supposed to be a better quarterback class from what scouting have gotten done so far. I have a few guys I would have graded higher than anyone this past season to the point where I think there'll be better value if you're even picking in the mid to late first. Their receivers room, they, they are bringing back Galladay. I expect him to have double digit touchdown potential this year. I think he's going to make do on his contract. I don't think he's like, to me, it's a different situation than someone like Corey Davis, who I think is on the outs. I don't think that's Galladay. I think Wandale being drafted was Sterling Shepard's problem. And they get back Kadarius Tony, who flashed with, I think, multiple double digit catch weeks before he got hurt. And the only thing I'll say is, yes, they should have probably taken Sam Howell in the fourth or the fifth, but their picks were really good in the fourth and the fifth. Daniel Bellinger, was a tight end they went with in the fourth. He's going to start, it sounds like, from day one. And then Dane Belton in the fourth was one of my favorite day three picks. He's a safety that can be deployed all over the field. Martindale's going to have a field day with him. And then in the fifth, Micah McFadden was a really good pick at linebacker for a team that's linebacker room beyond Blake Martinez is iffy. So, yes, they should have probably gone with a quarterback. But maybe they really believe in Daniel Jones. Maybe they're saying we'll have one year with the new coaching staff with Daniel. And then if not, we have a lot better quarterback group next year, or it's even possible that they feel like they build a really good team and they can just drop a veteran. And that seems to be another, you know, way that teams are trying to go with now when you look at teams like Denver who have everything set up and they went with Drew Locke last year, well, Drew Locke and Teddy Bridgewater and hoped that he worked it out and he didn't. And then they just dropped us traded for Russell Wilson. The giants could be in a very similar situation come next year the tight end room beyond Ballinger is thin uh Ricky Seals Jones has flashed but he hasn't proven anything and I who's the third I forget who the third is Jordan Atkins yeah another guy I mean he's he had he had his chance and he didn't really run with it in Houston the running back room is thin I think this is kind of an issue Barkley has not been able to stay healthy although it sounds like he's fully confident in his knee now but everybody says that in every offseason, the player that's been hurt is like, oh, I finally feel 100%. And, you know, it might be true, but who knows? 
beyond him, they did sign Matt Breida, which I think he's a nice backup for Barkley, but he's another guy that just has not been able to stay healthy. Yeah, and then beyond that, it's Antonio Williams, who is an undrafted free agent from Buffalo that Dable brought over with him, and I don't know of anyone else. I mean, I'm Gary sure they're right. Well, is the other one they have yeah. listed. I mean, that's rough. That's a rough running back room. I mean, granted, there's a lot of free agent running backs. So if Barkley were to go down, you could go out and sign, you know, fingers crossed Todd Gurley, but there's also Devontae Freeman. There's also David Johnson. There's a lot of guys that you could just throw there. I mean, Freeman filled in in Baltimore and did really well. But I just, as anyone can probably guess, I expect this offense overall to be better because you're right. If Daniel Jones does get hurt again, Tyrod is a much better backup than Longneck, Glennon, and Jake from State Farm Prom, who probably has an insurance sales job now after last season. But as we've hinted at, it's not just an offensive evolution. They bring in Wig Martindale, surprising let go from the Baltimore Ravens. I mean, when he first got released or fired or he was granted his release, I thought he was looking for a head coaching job. And he finds himself as the defensive coordinator for the Giants. And this should be what was not an awful defense last year should be a very good defense this year because he finds a way to disguise your weaknesses, which for the Giants is the secondary and really does a good job with finding pass rushers on the defensive five. They lost Austin Johnson, Danny Shelton, Raymond Johnson, Lorenzo Carter, Reggie Ragland, TJ Brunson, James Bradbury, Keon Crossan, Jabril Peppers, and Logan Ryan. They re-signed Jaron Williams as a depth corner and they did pick up Jalen Holmes, Justin Ellis, Jihad Ward, Maurice Kennedy, Khalil Dorsey, Michael Jaquette, and Henry Black. Look, the secondary is, an, is going to be an issue. Although, as I said, I think Martindale will do a good job of scheming up ways to disguise it. It still is led by Dory Jackson, and Jack can cover how the defense is going to look. Zach's right. The secondary is kind of a mess. I mean, when you have Cordero Flott slotted in as your second corner, a little bit concerning considering he had some serious injury problems at LSU right yeah they said Cordero's like the athletic potential guy but he had injuries and he wasn't on the field a ton compared to other prospects and then after that Rodarius Williams Darnay Holmes Aaron Robinson none of these names stick out I mean Holmes and Robinson played I think some meaningful snaps last year but to be the cornerback too (laughs) that's that's something else and then aside from the secondary they are pretty thin in some areas like jihad ward is according to espn is slotted in to start at the other end spot in base package you have justin ellis who you brought in from baltimore and jalen holmes who i guess could fight for that spot they could scheme it different depending on who you're playing they took dj davidson in the draft I mean, it's still a rough room, especially if Williams or Lawrence were to go down. Edge is probably the strongest position room on this team, and that's not surprising when you bring in a guy like Martindale. We didn't like him, but Thibodeau is there. Ojolari is there. Quincy Roche, Zimenez. Someone is going to step up if there's an injury, and if not, Ojolari and Thib should, you know, hopefully get it done. But I do think that Someone like Lorenzo Carter as a situational guy, if you could have brought him back, I think that would have been a huge move. The inside backer room, Micah McFadden, like Zach said, was a good pick in the fourth round. I like Darian Beavers, their sixth round pick. I think he's a guy that could compete for meaningful snaps week one. But 
you just look at what they had last year in the safety room with McKinney and Logan Ryan and Jabril Peppers, and you let Logan Ryan go, but why not bring Peppers back? He just seems like a Martindale guy, and I don't know if it was a money-related thing or whatever, but now you have, I mean, we think Belton is going to eventually take that spot, but as of right now, they have it slated as Julian Love, and I, I don't know how to feel about that. But like Zach said, Martindale is really good at covering up the weaknesses on the defense, and in this particular case, it is the secondary, and I think you're going to see a lot of pressure with a lot of mixed looks up front to have them covering less down the field yeah I mean it screams like a zone blitz heavy scheme I would imagine because I don't think you know even if it's not plot whoever else is starting now granted Martindale has found these nobodies at corner for Baltimore before but it doesn't feel like it's going to be a man-on-man situation we have them going nine and eight finishing third in the division we have their great as great coaching hires, as you can tell. We really are a big fan of the three main ones. However, there's going to need time for the team to take shape. Again, nine and eight is a very good improvement, and we think it'll be looking up. But when you have a new regime that had a you know a rough culture experience with Joe Judge and an iffy quarterback situation, you'd imagine that it's going to take a year or two to fully get Dable's vision of the team in place. So. There might be some great games where they compete against teams they probably shouldn't, and there might be some games where they get blown out against teams that they shouldn't as they try to figure out the identity of this team. Just to go back to the offense, I think that everyone wants to blame Daniel Jones for the Giants' offense not working, and everyone wants the new quarterback. But like Zach said, he started hot last year, and then just look at what the other two bozos did down the stretch. If Jones is doing what he did compared to these other guys, and I get that it's a starter compared to backup, but you got to give him some credit. And with an offensive mind like Dable and even Kafka, with hopefully Galladay returning to form, two, you know, gadgety type guys in Tony and Robinson, Slayton and Shepard still there. I mean, there is a lot of weapons here and the improved offensive line with bookend tackles now. I guess improvement on the interior. Uh, it's hard to say, but even if it's just a wash, they took care of the tackle positions. Yeah. So, I mean, if Jones can come back even slightly better from the neck injury, then, I mean, they really should be looking at a fairly decent season and what should be a very open NFC East. Well said. They, as we'll cover, we do have. Uh, one team in the NFC East with a lot of wins that we know we're going to get some some backlash on. But in general, the truth is the NFC East is wide open. It could be any of the four teams in the division that takes the division and runs with it. And the Giants are certainly one of them. If the coaching staff gets more out of the team initially than you expect, if Daniel Jones takes a bigger step than we think, it you know there's nothing's impossible with this division, which is has some good players, but is not the strongest division out there. This will conclude the Giants episode. Keep an eye out tomorrow for our Washington Commanders episode. Yeah, that sounds right. And we will see you there.